Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, what's happening now? That was awful. I should start that again. What's happening, Rush Nation? Welcome to week seven or eight, maybe week eight now. Week eight's probably started. It's Friday night. We're later than advertised. You could probably hear why. That is completely and utterly my fault. The Lurgy has properly got me. But as you can see, if you are watching, there isn't just me. Murph isn't here. He's on holiday. Couldn't tell you where he is. But I am joined, as it is Friday, by Rob from Fast Action Friday and Hannah from Five Yard Dynasty has joined me. We are triple threatening our way into Week Eight, Rush Nation. Start with you, Hannah, ladies first. Unless I don't know if that's on PC anymore. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. Thanks, Stocks. Um, I think I'm feeling a little bit better than you are this evening, by the sound. Of it. <laughs> but yeah, I'm doing great, and I'm really excited to have some co-hosts this week. Um, I know it's been a lonely uh, adventure over at Dynasty so far this season, but. Fab to kind of be chatting some stuff through with you guys and hearing your thoughts on some of these players from both a dynasty and a redraft perspective. Well, I, I've got you covered. My prospect stuff is well into college season watching now. So it's um, it, it, I've got some thoughts. If you need me to stop rambling at any point, just do tell me. But um, is this, Hannah, is this our first pod? I think it is actually stocks. We've caught up a few times before, haven't we, about editing? And I've um, I'm just kind of getting used to doing that now and putting out my own pods onto the uh, airwaves for everyone to listen. But yeah, this is our first pod, so I'm super excited to be here. Stoked, stoked. Well. I haven't done a pod with Rob either. No, well, Rob and I have done. I think so. Rob and I have done several pods, a couple of absolute classics, if you ask me. So, my man, how are you this evening? 
very well. I'm I'm happy to be amongst the uh, the Five Yard Avengers. I know you all like met up uh, at last year's UKFFC and got a great picture there, which I was which I was part of it. Just got to think of like a forgotten Avenger member who didn't get to be part of that, you know, that original lineup. So yeah, happy happy to be here. Um, also happy to be you know following on from that class uh, intro video that Lee's put together. Better than our my cobbled together fast action Friday video. You know, there's uh, some real artistic work from Lee on that side of things. You you do yourself a disservice, Rob. Yours has got the exact five fast action Friday needs, so don't put yourself down. Don't put yourself down. We um Rob, the thing about Avengers photos is the Avengers that aren't in the photo are out doing super important stuff. So <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. Okay. okay. Uh are we going to talk about Thursday night football or is that done and we're just going to get on with our casual Friday night show? What do we think? We can, we can do a little bit if you want to. Yeah, um, yeah. I did catch up with the game. Um, so I'm happy, yeah, happy to dig forward in that as well. A bit of Thursday night throwback, you know, include a little Ooh. section Friday segment. Okay, super. Well, let's do that. I will mute myself and listen to you two conversate about the game because I only know the score and have no idea what happened. <laughs> Oh, it's a way to get out of it, isn't it, Stocks? Yeah. <laughs> Consumate. Professional. <laughs> I um, I don't know what your thoughts are, Rob, but I do think that the, um, the Bills played better this week than last week. Obviously, last week, I think they had a bit of a, a mare, really. Um, Patriots mm. got the better of them, didn't they? But I do think kind of things settled down a little bit. Um, Josh Allen, I think, more this year than the last kind of one or two seasons has, has kind of gone into this kind of gung-ho mode again, I feel like. There's certainly games where I think he's been trying to do too much again, but he seemed to have settled down a little bit um, on Thursday and he seemed to kind of play a bit more with structure and he was using his legs a bit more this game. Um, and I don't think we've seen that much, have we, so far this season? No, I think that's probably... A little bit of coaching decisions behind that. Um, there's been a lot of coach speak in a lot of the off seasons between um, Josh Allen running his legs off and then coming into the season showing a bit of restraint and then realizing he needs to run to keep the, the chains moving. So maybe there was a little bit of that in this game. Um, a, um, a better fantasy performance and a better real life performance from Allen in this game. Like you said, a man last week. Um, not as much involvement for Diggs, but certainly for a lot of the supporting members like um, Shakir, Gabe Davis had a had a great game as well. Someone described him as as the ultimate uh, swingometer in the Bills team. Like if he does well, the Bills do well, and if he doesn't do well, the Bills don't do well. Um, I think the defense is struggling without Matt Milano, um, and as a result, the the Buccaneers just stuck around like a bad smell. They they this game should have been over. A long time before um and unfortunately that mike evans touchdown brought it a bit closer um didn't give enough time to actually take the lead so in a way the bills were lucky um but certainly a better showing than they were against the patriots yeah yeah and i think it was a great game for kincaid obviously knocks it out <clears throat> now isn't he on ir and i think he really kind of showed up there which is great and i think if i had kincaid on my roster i'd be feeling pretty smug right now thinking that probably the second half of this season he's, he's going to be a tight end one there and he's going to help me out quite nicely um i do think that also mayfield played reasonably well actually in this game i think generally that team is not 
fantastic is it uh, you know they're not getting a lot from Rashad White on the on the ground or the backups really um and they're kind of relying on Mayfield doing things and sometimes he's great and sometimes he's not so great um Evans was pretty quiet apart from that touchdown but I do think on the whole you know Mayfield was better than I think he has been in some weeks recently Absolutely. Um, I think his projected fantasy score was a lot lower than he came out with. Um, and that was certainly a bonus for any best ball teams out there. You wouldn't have been starting Mayfield in this game, but if you had him on a best ball team, he, he would be probably one of your starting quarterbacks by the end of this week. Um, I don't understand why the books are not falling over themselves to get Derek Henry on this team. Uh, I think it would be... Uh, certainly a great idea as this division is still wide open they've still got to play the Panthers twice they've got to play the Saints at least once where they, they walked over them in the first game you know get Derek Henry in this team and if they make it out of the division who who knows you know where, where they can go if Baker Mayfield um, does what he did in that game adding <laughs> running, a running back and th- there could be potential for this team I think Murph would love love to hear that I quite like that, Rob. I was just thinking about. It. I was like, mm, does that make sense? But like you say, you know, it's a, it's an easy. You know, they're still in the division. It's actually a winnable division, and you could have Henry and then White as this complementary pass catching back, um, where I think his skills are best suited, rather than being this bell cow kind of role that they're trying to force him into. You know, he's he's not. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's a great runner really, but I think he's quite nice when he is catching balls in space. Um, so I think you could use, you know, use the two of them together. I guess the question is, how happy are they to give up future capital for Henry at this point? You know, I think this is kind of like a one year, see what we can do and then see where we are. I can't imagine them wanting to go too much further with Mayfield. They've got some ageing guys there. So are mm-hmm. they going to want to start to kind of do more with their future picks? And is it worth, you know, kind of trading that? off to try and see where we can get this season that would be my only question there yeah that, that does make sense um evans and you know godwin are you know very much the veterans and potentially the uh the players behind that have yet to yet to step up i do like kate otten i think kate otten could be a good part of that team and um trey trey palmer as well i think is their wide receiver three at the moment yeah. um he's, yeah. he's been showing up a little bit um but yeah aside from that there's just muchness of a muchness behind those behind those two wide receivers. So, yeah, that does make sense. Um, it would it would be good like to create a whole offense, and I think it would be it would need to be a, a Super Bowl run to, for for Henry to ever consider going there. But a winnable division. It's anyone's anyone's um, division apart from the Panthers. I think at this point. Yeah, it's the it's the same situation for the Chiefs though. They don't have a banger like Henry. They're going to have a, a top four pick probably, which is bottom end of the second because apparently a day two pick for Henry so bottom of the second or a third rounder you know the Chiefs you could add Derek Henry to that uh, offense and he wouldn't necessarily he, he can block pretty well as well and you know you protect Patrick Mahomes at all costs right so to give up a late second or, or third or wherever the Chiefs have this year I'm not entirely sure I think it fit because they're going to win that division as well aren't they they're, they're locked in for that one so it, it is a Super Bowl contender's choice of trade in my opinion like you said Hannah with the Bucks this is too much to give up for a team if it would have been the Tom Brady a couple of years ago then you would have think yeah absolutely let's go get Henry but 
there's too much at stake for them to give up capital now when they're, they're in a bit more of a rebuild than the Chiefs or the, even the Bills would be. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm I'm struggling to find him a home. I'd be surprised if he moves personally, but maybe someone will will step up. It depends on cost, though, doesn't it? Because if it is cheap enough, they're clearly in. Re- is Ryan Tannehill hurt, or is it just a Will Levis season now because the Titans are pretty poor? He is hurt at the moment. He's hurt his ankle, hasn't he? Um, right. I mean, I think they'd want to sell him, but I'm just not sure if anyone wants to buy him. Like, I think the Chiefs are probably happy with Pacheco, what they're getting from him. Um, and you know, the Eagles are, are happy with uh, you know, Swift 49ers obviously got McCaffrey. Like, there's not that many contenders. I mean, the Ravens, maybe, but I reckon they would just stick with Gus Edwards, uh, you know, and Justice Hill. Like, I'm not entirely sure who would want him at this point, but you know, you never know. It's a, it's a luxury thing, isn't it? And we have seen teams do it, we have seen teams go out and, and get luxury at this point in the season. Did, did the Bucks do the same thing with Fournette or was he a start of the season acquisition? I think it was the start of the season, wasn't he? I, I feel like that was the case. Um, and it was just the playoffs when he actually showed that he was could do anything. I don't think he did a great deal in the in the season, did he, that, that year? And that led him to have a bit of an extension. Didn't they give him a bit of an extension then? And then they decided to get rid and obviously now he is waiting a home. Yeah, yeah. He'll find one. He'll find one. He'll go to Tennessee when they trade Derek Henry or Dalvin Cook will get moved on because he's upset in the Jets. And I would, I not so much Dalvin Cook in Dynasty that I'm trying to hang on to for absolute dear life right now. But that would be fantastic. But that's that's me being selfish. I we so the podcast this week is still sponsored by Manscaped. It is spooky season, so if you are growing your beard out, Rush Nation, to be a werewolf for Halloween, we appreciate that. But for those of you that aren't. Head over to manscaped.com, use the code 5YARD at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. It would be a longer read, but I will probably expire before the read finishes. So, Manscaped, that's all you're going to get today until the end of the show. Apologies. Come at me. I'm so, so sorry. Also, if you are watching this, head over to YouTube, hit the like and subscribe. We would love you to join us over there to get to know when the podcasts go out live streaming. Hit the like and subscribe. Share it. Tell your friends. If two friends told two friends, then there'd be a few more people as Marcus Grant would say so we would really appreciate that right let's talk some Calvin Ridley boom or bust Hannah what have you got for Calvin Ridley through the first seven weeks well I think we all got very excited didn't we about Calvin Ridley coming back and we saw a few videos of him in the off season in their kind of uh, training program and I think we got very excited that he was basically going to be the wide receiver one on this team and he was going to be a wide receiver one for fantasy and unfortunately it just doesn't really feel like or it hasn't it hasn't happened so far he is of course their true x receiver but he has not been dominating targets as the wide receiver one on the team he's actually only finished in the top 24 on two occasions so far this season which was week one when he was wide receiver six and week five when he was the wide receiver nine All his other finishes have been wide receiver 81, 66, 31, 56 and 90. So like really bad. You know, he will have been drafted in like round three, four, at the latest round five in drafts this offseason. And this is what you're getting from him. You know, it it is actually quite a disappointment. 
based on where I've drafted him. Now, I do think as a real-life NFL player, he's actually bringing a lot of value to the Jags because I think he is doing probably a lot of the dirty work, you know, taking some of the cornerbacks, you know, et cetera, away from some of the plays. Um, it was some, I heard something actually earlier today, which I thought was interesting, in that actually when um, Zay Jones has been on the field, that's probably benefited Ridley because they're the two the two weeks that Zay played the full games. They're the two weeks in which um, Calvin Ridley actually finished as a wide receiver one. So I think it's hurting him that Zay Jones isn't playing on the other side with him at the moment. Um, but Christian Kirk is just getting more and more involved. And again, I think part of that is because Zay Jones is out. But also, you know, he seems to be commanding a lot of targets. Um, and actually, he is now the um, he has a higher first read rate than Ridley this season now at, th at this point. I do think some of it is matchup. So he has he appears to have been struggling with press this season. Um, and so it, teams that are playing a lot of man coverage, I would be less keen to start Ridley, you know, on, on the, in those than when they're playing zone. But I do think, say, Jones is actually a big factor. And as I say, with him on the other side, I think he does a lot of the dirty work, moving people out of the way. And that's where Ridley's having his opportunities. And we're just not, as I say, seeing that at the moment so although I think he is a great player I think he is still extremely talented I do think he's not quite back up to the level that I think we expected him to be like coming out of the gates and I think maybe if we'd have actually sat down and thought about it a bit more we were a bit too excited about him in the offseason um and oh, go on Hannah carry on one stocks go for it no I, I was just gonna say I have a question for both of you then uh, I'll give them both, and Hannah, you can answer first, and Rob, you can answer second, because I think you might need to think about this and maybe look into it a little bit. Hannah, when you say uh, struggling with press, hmm. do you mean he struggles being pressed, or when he's in press coverage, he doesn't receive the football? And then, uh, Rob, I've, I've forgotten your question. I'm so sorry. Cold is game new, isn't it, Starks? It is. It is. Oh, no, I've remembered. I've remembered. Um do the Jaguars have tend to have an alpha receiver? So has there has there ever been a year where the Jaguars have had a receiver who's Alan Robinson, for instance? That was a long, long time ago. Post Alan Robinson, have they had an alpha receiver, or did they just not coach their football that way? Because when I was in London, AJ Terrell basically man covered Ridley at the line in press except for the long play where he got open because of the busted coverage. But Ridley, I think Ridley technically is one of the best hand fighters at the line in football. So I don't know whether they are, they have an ex-alpha receiver, as you quite rightly say, Hannah, but he is doing a lot of the dirty work, if that makes sense. And if they can use that threat, it's not as if you've got three mediocre receivers where you don't have to worry about that alpha. Because as in London, we saw, he only needs that one, that one open route. And he's, he's going to score because he is that good. So do Jaguars, their current coaching staff, tend to use alpha receivers? And, and Hannah, when you talk about press coverage, does he struggle as against press or does he score poorly fancy-wise against press? Well, look, I I think part of the th that his issue is that he's been off for a long time. So I don't think he is as 
fast as he used to be. So I don't think he is getting... I would have to look into the exact facts. This is my thoughts. I don't think that he is getting off as well as he has been in the past. And I think that's probably, like you say, I think there may be two factors here. One is that he's not getting open as quickly. So, because also, rewind. Um, remind me of the quarterback's name is gone. Lawrence. Lawrence. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence is, is is releasing the ball really quickly this season. And I'm sure the last game he was doing it in like super, super speedy time. So, you know, if you're impressed and you're trying to get down the field, he's not got enough time to separate and, and get release quick enough. So I think that is part of it. Um, and I think they're using kind of, um, you know, Kirk to kind of find those gaps um, and, and get those kind of shorter... Uh, you know yards and receptions so I think that is part of it and I just think he's probably a bit rusty but Rob I mean what what are your thoughts there I think when you compare um, T-Law and Kirk and T-Law and Jones they built up a lot of chemistry last year I've just had a look at the 2022 stats and they each got over 100 targets each and that build up of that chemistry over the 22 season has translated into 23 and Ridley didn't have that Ridley came in the off season. Obviously he looked super quick in those drills, um, making a big impression. Zay Jones is virtually plodding along in comparison, but he knows he's got that chemistry with T-Law. Uh, and I had a look because I knew these notes were coming up. I had a look at all of um, Ridley's targets against the Colts um, and Aside from his catches, there was a target that went just out of bounds. If if the feet had just been in, that would have been an extra 16 yards on a catch for Ridley. But the target, the, the pass was just slightly off. Another one would have gone for 25 yards, but the ball was slightly in front of Ridley. Like you said, he didn't get off as quickly as he could do, so he missed a couple of yards there. That would have been at least another 25 yards there. And then there's another contested catch where... I look at the slow-mo, I look at the pause, and it looks like there is a face mask on, Rid- on Ridley uh, before the ball uh, is, cont- is contested. So, like I say, dirty work there, but they're, they're pushing on him hard. And, yeah, he's, I think he's just a couple of yards off the pace. And I think as long as that chemistry develops, we should see him do better, like we get get that, that extra space, that extra separation, and make those yards. But at the moment, it's just not translating and I also had the first thing I had down here his matchups where he was with wide receiver one was where zone Jones was there as well so the coverage was was more spread out so it's it needs to be a better situation they need to like include Jamal Agni more if Zay Jones isn't going to be as involved with that knee injury um they, they just need to give Ridley that little bit of extra space those little bit of extra yards and I reckon he can deliver but he just hasn't done it so far do you, do you think the coaches mind him not delivering in the fact that because of his pedigree, in order to man cover Ridley, you basically have to send your best corner because only the best corners in the league do shadow man cover. So in order to do that, you are nullifying the secondary by taking away their best corner. Even if Ridley does very little, the Jaguars are winning. Do we think that they're happy with him being off the pace because of the achievements that they are getting. Yeah, I reckon so. And yeah. and I think if he's if he's getting more game time, more game experiences, he'll start 
learning these moves that are going to give him the separation again. Um, I think, you know, he's coming up against experienced cornerbacks, like you say, the best cornerbacks who know all these moves to slow him down, to get him in the wrong positions. Whereas he'll, he'll get all that game time back. He'll get that experience back. You'll be able to make those moves and get the better of his cornerbacks. Eventually, even the press coverage will, it won't matter. I think I think it just got you just got to give them time, and if the Jags are in a good enough position, you know, come to the end of the season, then that could be really invaluable. Yeah, I do think it's an interesting conversation though because uh, I think they only signed him to a. I may have got this wrong, but he's they signed to a short extension, potentially like one year. Now, in terms of what the Jags pay the Falcons for him depends on whether they sign him to an extension or not. So if they don't sign him to an extension, they only have to give a third round pick. Whereas if they sign him to an extension, they have to give a second round pick. So I do think it's an interesting conversation to be had because ultimately the question is, what are they wanting from him? You know, if they're wanting to be him to be this dominant X receiver that's dominating the targets, well, actually he's not done that much so far this season but if they're wanting him to be the X receiver but who like is taking away coverage which means that then the ball can go to other players more easily and actually they're still winning then they're probably quite happy with how he's getting on and I'm sure they understand that it's going to take him time to get fully back you know integrated into football again it has been a long time um, I think they should be happy with him at the moment. But yeah, it's an interesting conversation that they're going to have towards the end of the season, though, based on whether they're going to want to extend him or not and whether they want to give up those that pick or not. All right, Rush Nation, I'm going to let you into a little secret now. Before we started this podcast, Hannah and Rob were in the room before I was because I was dragging myself up the stairs. Uh, no sympathy needed. It was just a fact. It took me a very long time. And as I joined the conversation, Hannah was saying, oh, I just put these show notes together really quickly. And then Rob was saying, well, if you put these show notes together really quickly, then props to you because they are immaculate. And I'm going to, I'm going to back Rob up here. They are, there is so much information here that I can understand why the dynasty show is still going as strong as it is because of the work you put into your show doc. So kudos to you, Hannah. We are approaching 25 minutes into the podcast and we've only covered one point guys. So where do you want? To, I'm happy to take this pod in any direction, but if we cover all these points plus the rookies and maybe some prospects, it will be Sunday game time, and we can turn off as Scott Hansen turns on. So, where do you two want to go? Do you want to, Hannah? Do you want to quick fire some of these points you put down because I don't want you to have done the work and not use it, or what do you want? What do you fancy doing? We don't have to go through all of these. These were just things that I was like, oh, these are little takeaway points that I took from week seven that I thought maybe we could we could discuss. I think it would be fun to discuss some of the rookies and the prospects, at least uh, during this pod. So I'm happy. I don't know if Rob maybe wanted to pick uh, one of the other points from week seven, if there's one he particularly found interesting or would like to discuss, and then maybe we could talk rookies. Does that sound fair? Sounds super. Yep, that sounds sounds fair. Um, I think it's quite interesting to have a look at Matt Jones. I know you talked about Matt Jones. We talked about the Bills uh, and how they got done over by the Patriots. But I think there were there was something there. I think it's it would be good to have a cover of that because Matt Jones came out of nowhere to have a very, very good game after several weeks of dross. Um, and I actually think it was because he wasn't playing the hero 
anymore. Um, it'd be interesting to hear what you think about it, but I think he's they've really consolidated the pass game. Um, and is it this is something that you got got from your notes as well, isn't it? And like based on you know his performance against the Bills was was completely different to what it was against uh, other teams and brought a lot of players into fancy fancy relevance. Um, I'm just going to bring up the things on here. Um, so what I noticed from Matt Jones, um, starting to finish the whole game, finishes a quarterback eight, and I believe this that the the uh, attitude of less is more has actually benefited him a lot here. Um, no long, no real long passes, and a lot of short passes. Um, I got notes from Demario Douglas and Kendrick Bourne and Ramondre Stevenson for this one, and they were the most involved in the passing game. Uh, Demario Douglas's average depth of the target was 7.2 yards. Uh, Kendrick Bourne's average depth of the target was two yards, and Ramondre Stevenson's average depth of the target was zero yards. Um, so hardly any long throws there, but they all end up with over 50 yards receiving on six targets each. And I think that that has just made a huge difference in keeping that offense moving, keeping the first downs rolling. You know, there was a lot less dropbacks for him as well. There was a lot, a lot quicker passing time. Um, compared to the, the games where he's just getting sacked and you know intercepted, um, I, th- I think if the Patriots keep this up and they can keep Mac with the short game and keep it effective, the the division could open up from here. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I just kind of felt like, look, I don't think this is the, the the best offense in the world. You know, ultimately, the pieces that they have are really not that great. You know, they're working with um, you know challenging. Uh, situation and I just felt like they weren't really supporting Mac you know Um, they were kind of weren't playing to his strengths they were kind of trying Mm -hmm. to put players on the field that that you know are slow or older or not that athletic and they're expecting him to make plays out of nowhere whereas I think I I feel like they kind of a little bit went back to basics like you said Robin kind of supported him a bit more you know obviously he's from Alabama you know, the new OC did coach Alabama. You know, he, he knows the concepts that Mac is used to. And they even said afterwards, you know, they, they started, they went back to some of those Alabama concepts, which what I don't understand is why wouldn't you do that at the beginning of the season? Why does it take you till week eight, you know, to start putting concepts in that, you know, that your quarterback is good at and could potentially win with? that's what I just don't quite understand you know ultimately we know that Bill Belichick is a really amazing you know defensive coach you know and that defense is strong I know they've lost a few players this season but they're still pretty strong you know and you can see what they can do to the opposition particularly you know last week with the Bills and I think this week with another division opponent you know the Dolphins they know them really well so I think they're going to have a great defensive game plan and I think what they just need to do is continue to support Mac, get the players on the field that they know can win and are, you know, going to receive the targets and be able to get open for Mac. And potentially they could start winning a little bit. Um, and I think maybe they've only just kind of started to realise this. I think it's been really tough for Mac because obviously they benched him twice a couple of weeks, you know, ago. And I don't necessarily think it's all his fault. No, no. It, like there's, there's definitely been, like I said, not the support there. The 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 offensive line 
has been beaten up. That was a strong offensive line um, a couple of seasons ago, and there's just not really been the investment or there's not really been the health in that line. They got a few players back against the Bills. I think that was important as well because that, that makes a difference. It's players that Max has been playing with before as well, so they know how he works. Um, and they're just able to give him the protection. Like, he's able to stand behind that line. He's, he doesn't drop back. He's able to make those quick passes because that line is strong. Um and, you know, if the lines are there, you, you can't really blame Mac for getting sacked however many times a game and, and not making those throws and uh, or making some silly decisions under pressure, which has has led to turnovers. He's never he's never really been that trophy first. Like they've never considered him that trophy first round quarterback, have they? They've he's always had this like you shouldn't have been drafted there and. Even or Justin Fields is out for Sunday night's game. Um, they've never, they've never to me shown that you are our quarterback one. You know, even though we drafted you high, it's always felt as if he's under the critical microscope from the get go, and he hasn't been supported like you said, Anna. And it's it's really weird the whole thing to me. If you're going to draft a quarterback from Alabama that high, and just I've just been so nonchalant about it. It's it's very very bizarre to me how they've done it there. Um, with with Tom Brady in the past as well, you know, you nurture your quarterback and and you go and win six Super Bowls. So it, it's very very bizarre to me. Very bizarre to me. But hey, uh, I'm, I'm I'm pleased, Rob. You didn't choose the Jordan Love to Green Bay struggle because the first point is lost to the historically bad Broncos. So we will we'll move on from that. Thank you, Hannah, very much. Uh, Tyson Badgett does indeed need some props because the step in, and I think he had 40 of his family there or something ridiculous at the game. It might have even been more, but go get your first quarterback start and as a bear and go win it. So well done to you, lad. And Lamar steamrolling the Lions was just, that was peak Ravens. Rob and I talked at the beginning of the season how they could be so much more extra everything because of coaching changes and, Lo and behold, they go and absolutely bonk on another team doing a contender, shall we say, at this point in the season. Mm. So, fair play to the Ravens. Right, let's talk some rookies. I'm, I'm going <coughs> to... Who's performed well? Hannah, you've got a name off this list that you haven't got on there, and I take umbrage with it. But I will let you start. Who do you think's performed so well, so far? Now I want to know which... Uh... Which player are you? This this was only like a quick kind of when I was sitting down earlier. I was like, who are, who do I think has performed really well from a fantasy perspective? Now, don't you be saying you want Marvin Mims on their stocks? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. He's he <clears throat> he's very good. He was really really good at Oklahoma. One of the best catches in college football I've ever seen in the end zone. But how is Devin Achan Achani Achain? How has he got on this list? That's the kid great. was electric until he got injured. Okay, this was like the world's quickest. I'm just going to put a few names to maybe bring up um, on the thing. Would have been would, think, would have been my first name. I know, but I think because he's on IR, I've kind of forgotten about him, which is terrible, isn't it? Shade. The shade. Recency bias. Yeah. yeah. That, I was like... I was just like, oh, let me think of a few. And as I say, most of them were wide receivers. I was like, can I think of any running backs? And I was like, meh. And yeah... I, He's not been on my team for a few weeks, you know. I've not been thinking about him because he's sat in my IR, in my IR slot. But no, of course, he's been absolutely fantastic. And, um, you know, I, 
with him, he was drafted into the perfect situation, wasn't he? You know, he's the he's an undersized running back with speed. You know, he's on a speedy offense with Mike McDaniel, who used to be the uh, the rushing game kind of concept designer in San Fran so it's like the perfect marriage really I think if he'd have gone to any other team I don't think he would be doing half as well as he is but Mike McDaniel just knows how to scheme him up properly to get him into space and give him the chance to go and he utilized it didn't he and he's he's been doing absolutely fantastic and I am looking forward to him coming back because he's he is doing a fantastic job but I do think Puka has to be there you know, if not number one, number two. I mean, this guy, you might, I'm not a massive college uh, watcher of stocks. I just don't get a chance to watch on a Saturday. I, I would like to watch a little bit more. I've, I've watched the occasional Colorado game just because I thought, you know, oh. time is a bit of fun. <laughs> and it was one of those first few games where they basically were like, um, I think I watched them trounce over TCU or whatever you know and they weren't meant to win and blah 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 and it was just lots of fun so I've watched a couple of those but I'm really not a college um watcher um so to me he came out of kind of nowhere I mean I, I'd heard a lot of rumblings in the off season about how you know he could be a good player he'd been doing well in you know training camp and my understanding is that he was drafted in the fifth round but that was predominantly through injury kind of reasons and concerns rather than skill is am i correct in saying that and what were your thoughts of him as a prospect did you so, see something my my sister lived in utah for three years just down the road from byu stadium so the first college team i followed was byu so i am a bit biased on puka nakua anyway because he played for one of my two college teams in byu but he was he was clearly their wide receiver one stepped up in big games on big nights um, if you get a chance to listen to the BYU radio of the football games the guy who calls the games is fantastic and his booth is right by the loud end of BYU stadium so you get a real feeling for the big plays and the atmosphere in the games that really matter and he he was fantastic for BYU but he did have injury problems and BYU at the time <laughs> weren't in the division there in a conference sorry that they're in now and they're sort of looked upon as a smaller school uh zach wilson obviously did them a, a massive favor by getting drafted in the season where they they had a terrible shit uh, a good schedule for them but for who they were playing it was just a cupcake walk week in week out zach wilson just went bananas and suddenly people knew who byu was so puka nakua probably didn't get the praise he should have done. And then, listen, don't hear what I'm not saying. He's not elite, but what he's done so far in the NFL is above what I expected from him as a prospect. I think he's an, another guy that landed in the perfect situation, isn't he? You know, and yeah. I think the other thing was Cooper Cup, you know, his injury kept him out longer. So he also got opportunity. And I think, you know, the combination of perfect place and perfect opportunity kind of amalgamated to give him this kind of really great fantasy start and ultimately this is another one where you know how could they not have him on the field and target him after what he'd done in the four weeks when Cooper Cup was not on the field you know so ultimately they've got this great one-two punch now 
um, on LA with the two of them, and he's still performing amazingly well, even with Cooper back. Yeah, and and also Tutu Atwell, the guy who was absolutely nowhere for you know two is it his third season now in the NFL. He was punt returning for a bit, special teams, and 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 suddenly Cooper's out. They've got no Van Jefferson is well at the time was a Ram, but it's completely irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Tutu Atwell and Pukunakua, the two receivers that nobody drafted at all in redraft. Maybe they're on a few dynasty leagues if you have a deeper roster or whatever. I mean, I drafted all the Tutu Atwell in the world when he came out from Louisville and I dropped him everywhere because he did nothing for me for two years. He was on my taxi squad, had to drop him and lo and behold, he's now something. So, you know, it does... You can't hold on to everybody forever, forever, but it does show you the value of players being in the right situation, like Nakua, like a, a, a Chan. And how do you say it? I think it is a Chan, isn't it? He didn't like a chain, did he? I mean, a chain is a dope name, but anyway, a Chan is his name. I can't tell him how to say it. Um, you know, these players they suddenly become a real value for the team because the Ramsdale. Like Hannah, you said they've got that one-two punch. They've actually got a one-two-a, two-b punch with Nakua and, and Atwell, and they've paid nothing. They've paid absolutely nothing for both of them, and they've got Cooper Cup. But now they can focus their attentions elsewhere. And it is there is something massively underrated about drafting players that fit your scheme. I know best player available in certain situations: offensive line, defensive end, middle linebackers. These guys. They play that role. That is their role. But when there is somebody who fits your scheme, but there's a better player available, why? 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 It doesn't make any sense to me at that point. You know, Mike McDaniel, go and get the running back that matches your wide receivers. And, and lo and behold, he matches the other running backs. Perfection. Yes, he's undersized. Yes, he's small. Is he going to hold up? Who knows? But he fits the Mike McDaniel offensive scheme to the, excuse me, to the point. Just go and get your guys. Like I, it, I can't sit here and claim any sort of profanity at all. You know, it's, it's But there is some decisions that I do think, man. I just, I just don't understand that from a, from a footballing perspective. Not even a fantasy perspective. It just does not sit right with me. But here I go. I'm rambling again. Somebody stop me. Let's talk some. Well, the next two we've got on the list: Jordan Anderson and Zay Flowers. Guys, they've both. Uh, I should. I wanted to say flourished, but I thought that was too punny. Um, with with Zay Flowers. Zay Flowers, again, a good situation for him, for a team that's throwing the football more. He's... I don't know, Rob, what do you think about Zay Flowers in this situation? Do you think he's the alpha that the Ravens have been looking for for the last few years in in, in drafting Bateman? And who else did they draft high that turned out to be an absolute nobody? But they're those sorts of guys. Do you think Zay Flowers is now in the right scheme because of the coaching change and is good enough to be the, the guy there. And then Jordan Addison had a, obviously now JJ's out on IR, but we saw what Adam Thielen could do last year with the Vikings as well, that red zone threat. Jordan Addison, not the biggest of receivers, but is doing a good enough job at the moment in, in Minnesota. Yeah, if I uh, if I take Flowers first, I, th- I think I think you might be talking about Devin Duvernay for the, the play, but he's he's found his niche as the, re- the return man. Um and I think with with the new change into the scheme, like there's not the filter through Andrews all the time now. Andrews is getting, you know, he's, he's regressed back to like a normal level that a tight one would get. Um, 
touchdowns though, still doing well for touchdowns, but they they were always seem to be missing that that like I said, the alpha player, the player who um Lamar just needs that little bit of extra time behind that line to to pick out that pass and um Flowers is all over the field. Like there, there, he's able to respond to any any of the routes he's been given, and just find himself in those situations where he's able to get the ball in space, get that little bit of extra yard, which is something that they've sorely missed. They have definitely missed that. Um, Odell Beckham, I think, has been an, uh, an excellent add to the team as well. You know, adding that that veteran presence. You know, very much a superstar play. We've seen a few of those come around this season. Um, yeah, I, I think he's Flowers has come into this team and, and has just really rolled with it. And, and Lamar's thriving. He's thriving with, with knowing that he's got players that A, he can trust, and B, he can get in a position so he can make those passes as well. Agreed. Agreed. From the Addison point of view, I mean, I think, you know, you could, you certainly saw flashes of what he could be you know, for the start of the season, that he wasn't actually on the field for, um, you know, all of the snaps originally. He was he was still playing behind KJ Osborne to start. But when he was on, he was getting targeted, you know, and he, and he was getting those balls and he was getting down the field and he got a few touchdowns. But, I mean, we saw this week what he can do without JJ in. I mean, ultimately, he is also kind of a, a slighter... Um, you know, wide receiver compared to a lot of these kind of number ones. So the question is, will he manage to be the number one with JJ out? But I mean, he did an absolutely fantastic job um, this week and he actually finished as the overall wide receiver one based on that performance. So I just think it's kind of while JJ's out based on his, you know, he's shown that he can do it and he can perform. And I think, you know, ultimately, I think he's going to do a great job with JJ out and hopefully continue when JJ comes back as the wide receiver too. I mean, ultimately, in this game this week, I think on one of his first receptions, he got the ball wrestled off him um, and ultimately it was an interception. But then he quickly learned and later on in the game, the same guy did it again and he basically wrestled the ball back off him and saved the interception. So I think he's learning also to be more kind of uh, rough and ready and kind of hardcore than I think necessarily was expecting. I think we all thought he'd be this kind of slighter guy, you know, not really getting rough and ready, but kind of getting open and getting the ball. But I think he's learning to kind of really. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. 
play with the big boys, I suppose, um, you know, and, and fight for the ball, you know, in those possessions. He, I think he had another good contested catch as well in that game. So I think he's really come along uh, tremendously, um, you know, especially compared to a guy who we'll probably talk about in the next segment um, who has had an opportunity and has done nothing with it. He's done the absolute opposite. You know, he's shown that he is, a, he's, I think he's going to be a, a great ride receiver, you know, moving forward. Ultimately, he is going to have a ceiling with just Justin Jefferson there. He is going to be the wide receiver too. But like you say, Thielen was the wide receiver too and still performed, um, you know, great with Justin Jefferson there. So I think ultimately he's going to be like a Pukunakua type where when JJ is out, he can, you know, command targets but also when JJ is back he'll still get a decent target share and can still be a decent fantasy asset for you my my worry on Addison was he was slightly undersized for what I would like my wide receiver one to be and did Caleb Williams make him look better we're, we're going to talk about Caleb in a little bit but you get quarterbacks who make players better and Addison transferred from Kenny Pickett and Pitt over to USC once Lincoln Riley went. And, you know, it was come play for the, come play for the Trojans because we've got everybody now. Lincoln Riley's come. So come on over and play with me and Caleb Williams sort of thing. But actually, like you say, he's transitioned well and he's smart at football. You can see that now he plays and he does. He is learning. So I think it's, it's perfect. We talked about Caleb Williams. Another quarterback, Rob, which we should talk about is CJ Stroud. As a Panthers fan, do you think you made the right decision taking Bryce Young over CJ Stroud? Sorry, that that probably yeah. It's oh, it's it's funny that you mention this because um, when we had our rookie draft in our Ballers League, which is one of our the league we're in together, um, I drafted CJ Stroud over. Bryce Young and people said, but he's a easy Panther squat about why have you done that? I just saw a lot more potential with Stroud. I saw that the Texans were probably far enough ahead in, in any kind of rebuild that we're having. They had a lot of potential around them. You know, they um had a really strong coaching unit that had come in. The um, you know, D'Amico Ryans has, has come from, you know, a very good caliber of coaching beforehand. And the Defense was shaping up really nicely. the The offensive line was being invested in, which I think was important as well. You've got to keep you've got to keep your young quarterback safe. And sadly, I don't think that that has happened as much as it should have done in Carolina. Um, and aside from Jonathan Mingo and Adam Thielen, who is is the 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 valve for Bryce Young, there's not really a whole lot there at the moment. Whereas you look at the Texans, they've they've got Dalton Schultz in, which is a really excellent addition in that tight end room. They've got Nico Collins, who's excellent. John Mechie is start, is getting a chance to prove himself as well. Um, th- there's there's a lot there, and I I really like what CJ Stroud has done as part of this team. But I I think there's there's a lot um, that's aside from him. Like other other factors have played a part in him doing really well. So yeah, I'm. Um, He's he's started up really strongly, and Carolina's just a bit of a dumpster fire at the moment. A lot of people said that uh, I was wrong in saying that they'd be predicted five and twelve for the season, and I even think now that's looking a bit optimistic. <laughs> Sorry, it was probably a bit of an unfair question. Hannah, have you got any thoughts on CJ Stroud? Yeah, I just think he's really shown uh, that he can command the offense. He's poised. He's um, you know accurate. I think he's just done a really nice job i do think 
again, we're going to discuss him a bit more in a minute. But I do think Bryce Young has had a tough time because I just don't think the team around him is the best to support a rookie, you know, quarterback in his first season. So I don't think it is all Bryce, you know, and I think unfortunately the narrative um, is going to be around him because he's the number one overall pick and they gave up a lot of capital for him. But I don't think all of this is necessarily his fault. So I do I do feel from a little bit because, you know, there's a lot of, you know, people saying, oh, you should be regretting taking him. And, you know, I do think a lot of, for quarterbacks, I think a lot relies on where you go, you know, and I think your development and ultimately who you are as a quarterback in the NFL ultimately depends on which team you are drafted to and, you know, what support you have around you and I think unfortunately he just doesn't have um, all of the tools that he needs at this time See as a Denver fan I completely disagree Hannah, it's not where you go, it's who you are because Russell Wilson's rubbish and it's not Denver making him bad, it's Russell Wilson being terrible. Now Russell's uh, different though isn't he because he's just Russell now right, we know we know that mm. Russell is Russell and Absolute yeah. nobody, no I just uh, the whole Russell Wilson Sean Payton Trading first-round picks was just a debacle as a Denver fan. And, hey. Um, I do have to side with you, Hannah, though. I have to side with Hannah. Um, I think no, I... I, 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 I Rob, to determine, I, like, what path you go down. Will you go down the path of these great quarterbacks or will you go down the path of Zach Wilson, Sam Darnold, Trey Lance? You know, I think that situation going and hopefully and it looks like Stroud is going down the, the first path but unless they give some I, support Bryce may very well find himself going down that second path I, I fully agree with both of you on that I'm just bitter because of the Denver situation obviously as you could both tell and, and those watching can obviously tell the same uh, CJ Stroud I when I spoke to Rich Dynasty uh, Dynasty Island about Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. I had CJ Stroud as my quarterback one last year based on the fact that he could slice open anyone at Ohio State. The most accurate passer in the league. And if I'm running an offense, that's what I want from my quarterback. And if he'd have gone to Carolina, it would have been the other way around. I'm sure Bryce Young would have been succeeding in, in Houston. But I would have taken CJ Stroud just because I preferred his skill set to, to Bryce Young's. I think Bryce Young is I think his pocket control is better and I think he escapes the pocket better because CJ Stroud doesn't really like to get mobile. But I think as a passer, Stroud is slightly better. Let's, let's, we talked about Bryce Young. You've got two other players on the list, Hannah, uh, in Quinton Johnson and Jameer Gibbs. I fear uh, Jameer Gibbs was always going to be overhyped with his high draft stop, right? You know, we saw it last year with the Lions using Jamal Williams and, uh, oh, somebody helped me out. Um, who was the other running back at the Lions last year with Jamal Williams? Rob, you're muted. That oh, did not help me. DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift. There we go. Did you see that rush station? If you're watching, Rob sounded like Hannah. It was magic. Um, uh, yeah, DeAndre Swift. Those two guys, we saw it last year with the Lions. They draft Jameer Gibbs saying they would have taken him at eight or wherever it was. They ended up moving back, taking him at 12, I think. And they were too high for running back. Everyone expected, everybody expected too much from Jamal Gibbs. I think it will be a case of when there is two running backs, it's just he is going to let us down for fantasy. 
that is just going to be the case. I drafted him second overall in our Ballers League, Robin. I, it's a, it's not a terrible pill to swallow. I needed a running back, but it's not the second overall I wanted. But we, what can we expect from a team that does what we've seen? You know, historical data is important, and it just, I think Jamal Gibbs has underperformed. But is that an underperformed because we wanted more rather than what he should be doing? Yeah. That, that, yeah, that's my, you know, I, I do think he's still very talented, you know, and we saw that this week when, you know, Montgomery was out. I think he finished as a, the overall running back one or two. He was he was in the top three, I think. You know, he is talented, but they're just not utilising him as we thought they would. I think, you know, ultimately the fantasy you know, community thought that he would be the running back one on this team, whereas actually that is not the case. David Montgomery is the running back one on this team and he is more of the complimentary guy, you know, in my opinion, when they're both on the field. And so obviously he is disappointing. I think also potentially on this list, again, not for talent, but because of how they've been using him is got to be Bijan, right? Because he was drafted as like running back three in the first round. You know, again, not nothing based on his talent. He's immensely talented. He's been fat. When he's on the field, he's fantastic. But he's not been giving us the fantasy performances for where we drafted him, um, you know, so far. You know, I, I think if he had, you know, it, if he had a workhorse role, he certainly would be running back one, two, three. But he's not being utilised how we thought he would be utilised. Well, nobody in that Falcons offence is, are they? Um, no. And so he is disappointing us, as I say, not from a talent perspective, but from a usage perspective. Yeah, yeah absolutely. If you look at like, players like Jaleel McGoffin, when Javonte was out, he, he wouldn't have even probably even picked in the first three rounds of rookie draft. Karen Williams may have scraped the third round. We forgot, we forgot about him at the Rams as well. Like He made a huge impact coming in there. Uh, Devon Chan, I think you maybe picked him up third or fourth overall in that in that league, and people were going, "Well, why have you picked him?" You know, you'd saw some there. The fit was right. Um, there's a, there's other running backs who have also let us down who may have been picked in the first round. Kendry Miller has now faded out as well. He he was uh, got high expectations. Charbonnet uh, again, very minimal usage, and I think you you almost have to prepare to to dampen your expectations if they don't go into the right spot and. Um, you've, you've invested high draft capital in them. You've, you've just got to kind of, you've just got to wait. You've just got to wait, haven't you? Like wait for a few seasons. That get let them get the feet in, and then see what happens, rather than hoping they're going to make an impact in game game week one. Yeah, I. We should have learned from Todd Gurley going to the Falcons that they can't use a stud running back. I mean, that was that was criminal in itself. I'm so pleased I didn't give up three firsts in the Ballers Rob Four Bijan. Because that would have broken me. That would have absolutely broken me. Yeah. Mark uh, said yes. That's true. He probably still would have said no. Uh, but hey. Uh, and, and then finally on this list, we've got Quinton Johnson, guys. The Chargers just have not utilised their first round pick. And it's it's a real weird one. I don't think he's showing it. And maybe he's just not showing it in practice. And the other guys have just taken advantage here. Like Josh Palmer has taking a big step up. Quinn Johnson has had like an opportunity given to him here with Mike Williams being out and he's just not taking it. And um, uh, Hannah may have alluded to this before. This may have been the play you, you were talking about. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I mean, 
think they did say when they drafted him, they knew that he was going to be kind of a little bit of a project who would need kind of time. But, you know, he was drafted before Jordan Addison and Zay Flowers. Um, and yes, I understand maybe he needs time, but where he was drafted in the NFL draft, you know, and now they've got injuries, they really need him to step up. So, you know, as a first round pick, I would expect him now to be performing and he just isn't. And as I say, my suspicion is that he's just, he's not there. He's not good enough for them to give him more snaps and time on the field, which is is disappointing, obviously, for us from a fantasy perspective because a lot of people will have drafted him either in redraft or rookie drafts. Oh, Stocks didn't like him as a prospect. He knew all along. <laughs> no, I just I didn't think the uh, TCU don't excite me as a college. And I, he was a TCU Horn Frog, right? I haven't got that wrong. He was, yeah. Okay, good. And and being the alpha at TCU, that's like what I'm not bothered. It just doesn't excite me. And then to go into a team where they've already got a first round draft pick in Mike Williams, they've got an established stud alpha in Keenan Allen. Like why? If you're gonna do that, you either fade one of the two veterans, you trade one of the two veterans, or you have a plan. And there doesn't seem to have been any plan. I'm starting to think it's the same guy, coach or scout who went out, who went out a few years ago and the Eagles drafted that fella ahead of JJ. Oh. Jalen Rager, isn't it? Yeah, Jalen Rager. I think the same scout, I think he now works for the, the Chargers. And is, uh, if that is true, then that is a whole load of made-up stuff that should not be a thing. But yeah, it's that sort of situation, I think. I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head handle. I just don't think he's cut out to be what they want him to be, which is really sad because of obviously the draft capital and the hype and everything we've stuck into it. But we do see it from time to time. It just doesn't pan out for wide receivers drafted early. Yeah. But, all right. We're 59 minutes in. Should we talk some uh, 2024 prospects? Definitely. Right. Uh, How many names? Step upon this. Well, uh, this is this is Stocks' segment. I've already (sighs) told him. (laughs) Okay. How many names do you know that are shoo-ins for next year's NFL draft on the fantasy side? Three. Three. Go on, then hit me with your three, Hannah. Okay. In fact, no, no. Okay. Okay. I was I was going to say you can't have him, but that you 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 can have him as your one. Okay, well, these are the only three that I know. Caleb Williams, Drake May, yeah. and Marvin Harrison Jr. Oh, is Brock, is Brock oh. Bowers? Oh, yeah. I've taken mine. He's the only other guy that I can think of. He's a tight end, isn't he? And then other than okay. that, no, I'm not sure. Okay, so next year's... I, everybody hypes up the next year's class, don't they? It's like, oh, let me get a pick for next year's class. Let me get, 2024 is crap. Like there is probably five players that I want at the moment in whatever week we're in college now, eight or nine or ten. Oh, I, don't, I can't remember. Um, and there is, at the moment, nobody else. I, I want to get rid of my back-end 24 picks, even in the first round, because if you can acquire a player for that, I think you are valuing up that pick at the moment. But there is very few players. Um, everybody knows about Caleb Williams, right? USC quarterback. I think he's he's as good as anybody we've seen come out in a in a long long time. 
Uh, he's just got all the things, and he's gone to. He's done exactly the right thing. He went to Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley, the quarterback whisperer, and he didn't stay. He went to USC. He followed Lincoln Riley because he rightly knew that that path was perfect for him, and that is going to get him the best traction for the NFL. <laughs> Excuse me, and it, it's worked. He he is elite. There is there's almost nothing he does that concerns me. He's, he's, he's tall enough. He's heavy enough. He's fast enough. You know, he's projected to run a four, six for a 216 pound quarterback, which is not slow. He's not afraid to use his legs. He commands the pocket. His presence is good. He's got an uncanny backside, um, left tackle, ability to know when his left tackle is going to be and he takes very few sacks from the blind side i meant blind side when i said backside it's still behind you you all know what i'm talking about but yeah he's he is unbelievable as a prospect he will go 101 like i imagine if you looked on the betting things now he's so short if he doesn't go 101 it's because a team suddenly has the number one and thinks we could trade this for a lot more than drafting a quarterback when we actually have an okay quarterback um, that that would be my thinking behind it. And then you mentioned uh, Drake May. Any, do you know where he plays, Hannah? Um, yes. Is it? Um, oh, um, I, I kind of yeah. Oh, uh, North Carolina. Yay! Well done. Uh, I, I don't mean to be demeaning. I just I like it when people know. It's just like what colour shirt do they play in? That sort of thing. Um, it's like blue, isn't it? Like blue. Right. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it looked great on Javante. It looked great on Javante. Uh, the Michael Carter. He, okay, yeah, fair enough. Michael Carter was okay in blue, Rob. Um, Drake May is really good as well. Really, really good. And to do what he's doing at North Carolina at the moment when they lost Josh Downs, they don't have that two headed running back from a couple of years ago. Drake May has got all the talents to succeed in the NFL. And I think. I think him and Caleb will be exactly the same as Bryce and CJ. When the, when Bryce gets their stuff together at Carolina, he'll succeed because he's good enough to. CJ will succeed. And Drake May is the same to me as CJ Stroud. Not the same player, but I think his succession percentage is as good as CJ Stroud because he is that good. Uh, will he go top five? It all depends. But I think he's got the caliber too. You know, I'd, I'd have him top five if I was just ranking him purely on skill. He would be top five for me. You go down, the thing with this quarterback list is, this is the list of position. There isn't running backs. There's not really any stud running backs. There's Marvin Harrison Jr. And then not a great deal of stud wide receivers. There's one tight end, excuse me, uh, in Brock Bowers. And that's, that's, that's about it. Whereas you go down the quarterback list, I'll go down my list now. So at three is Shadur Sanders from Colorado. Uh, J.J. McCarthy, Michigan's quarterback now, put aside the whole Michigan scandal that's going on at the moment. J.J. McCarthy, when you hear about a Michigan quarterback being good, then, then he must be pretty good because normally their quarterbacks are pretty bad. They predicate on defense and the run game. So if a quarterback at Michigan is throwing balls downfield and they're landing and he's doing it often, that's lots and lots of ticks for me. I want that in all day long. JJ McCarthy is pretty, pretty good. Michael Penix Jr., Washington. These guys, these are all unbelievable quarterbacks. And then 
at six, I've got Quinn Ewers, who a couple of years ago was the darling quarterback coming into college football, signed with Ohio State to get a million quid NIL deal and then said, well, no, hold up, you've got CJ Stroud, I'm out of here, but thanks for my million bucks, I'm going to Texas. He's an unbelievable footballer. And by the way, he's injured at the moment. Arch Manning's going to play this weekend for Texas, if you didn't know. His first game for the Longhorns, the hype around that is going to be ridiculous. So just go and watch that to see if Arch Manning is actually any good because Texas is a place to play football. And if you can't play football, Steve Sarkeesian will let you know real quick. So if Arch Manning doesn't play well in his first game, I'm not saying he's going to get benched, but just just watch out there. Then Jaden Daniels, not great. LSU wouldn't draft him. But just the list goes down. Every name, Jordan Travis at 10 for Florida State. He's unbelievable. He's not brilliant, but what he does well, he does very well. It's just the list goes on and on. Spencer Rattler's down there, but he's washed. He's done. So, yeah, quarterback list for this year coming is is massive. Um, you mentioned Marvin Harris, Harrison Jr. He is good enough to go number one overall. He's He is that good as a football player. I, I think he's as good as Jamar Chase. I think he's as good as Justin Jefferson. And every year he plays football, he'll get better for like the next three years. So, yeah. Um, well, I'm going to take a drink and stop talking for a second, Hannah. What do you know about Marvin Harrison? He plays for Ohio State. That's right, isn't it? And yeah. aren't they pretty terrible? He's the only good player on the team this year, right? I think or terrible. Yeah, terrible's strong. Um Okay, maybe not as good as usual for a higher state. Maybe that might be the appropriate thing. Yeah. Uh, getting the Twitter hype. He's certainly appearing on Twitter pages, isn't he, as, as the difference maker? He's genuinely frightening. What he could do with his body in midair is ethereal. It is just go and watch his catch highlight reel and watch contested catches of where his body, he almost puts himself in the wrong position to correct it with his body movement to block out the defender midair. Does that make sense? He's mm. almost mm. using the defender's position. Am I reverbing? No. A little, but not, uh, not a lot. I think my eardrums are like, just telling me that I need to stop talking as much. But yeah, his positioning is at eight. That's frightening. Go, just go watch it and you'll be like, yeah, 101, rookie draft, bang, bang, bang. I'll pay up for him. If you need a receiver, just pay up because he is as good as Joel Chase. Um, uh, running backs, there isn't... My running back one at the moment is Travion Henderson, Ohio State, and he's... If he goes mid-round two, I'll be surprised. He's... He's good, but he's he's not elite at anything. Um, Blake Corum is my next running back. Michigan's running back. Last year had just an unbelievable year last year and is having a decent year this year. But again, he's a Michigan running back. You know, they produce these running backs and we don't really see it translate too well in the NFL. So it's, it's not for me to say, oh, he's going to go early round two, he's going to be elite. Just, there isn't a guy, 
Audric yesterday, Notre Dame, again, is good. <sighs> yeah, there isn't, past that, all the running backs past that could go from the second to the fifth round, and it wouldn't surprise me at any point. It really wouldn't. There isn't anybody in that that I think, I really want you on my team. And I don't know whether that's because we're seeing the NFL catch up to the college game now with how they use running backs. You know, it's just not a thing anymore. You get the occasional talent like Bijan, but then running backs are just throw me under the pile. We don't use you enough to pay you, which which we are seeing. But again, is that there's just no one in this class that I think, yes, please, I wanted to go up and get you. So if you need a running back in Dynasty at the moment, I'd be very concerned. I would try and trade for someone using that pick rather than trying to draft one. Uh, Brock Bowers, Hannah, where does he play? Oh, oh, this is uh... Rob. Rob, come on. Ooh, um, I feel he like plays it's... in red. Plays in red. Is he in Alabama? Maryland, but is it? He's in Alabama, no. You're no. both wrong. Carry on. I feel like I should know. Isn't he also? He's not an Ohio State, is he? No, he plays for the best team in college football. I don't know. Guys, come on. I should Look, know, but it, I'm not they sure. They grow. They won it last year. They grow peaches. Tide. No, they didn't. He plays for Georgia, guys. Come on. Oh, um, oh yeah, did oh, yeah, yeah. Now you say it. <laughs> last Georgia was yeah. like, oh, well, black and red. Yeah. Okay. He's um, he's. Phenomenal. He, he is such a good football player. But Kyle Pitts was a great football player. And he's, mm. yes, he's at the Falcons. So Brock Bowers, if he lands in a bad situation, it will be the same thing. It, it really will. Can I ask Stocks, what type of tight end is he? Is he like a, you know, a, a Kelsey? Like, is he just a. No, no one's a Kelsey, Hannah. Come I mean, on. Like, but I mean, like, is he just a big receiver or is he like an all rounder? He's a great blocker, can also receive. You know, <coughs> well, it, he, I, I understand he's a fantastic tight end, but is would he be a fantastic fantasy tight end or is he very good all rounder in that he probably is going to catch some balls, you know, and be good in fantasy, but also he'll do yeah. a lot of blocking in the. A kit, I he, a kittleish, you know, does a lot of the blocking like as well. Dwelly from from the Niners. Yeah, I I think he is the type of tight end who could do if you wanted him to go and be a Kelsey, he could because he is he's I've got him as six four two thirty. I don't know what he's at this season, but last season he was six four two thirty. So he's big enough to block, but he can run a four five. Like this guy is so fast for a massive tight end, and he isn't just fast; he's explosive, great hands. If you want him to go and be Kelsey, he could go and uh, imitate Kelsey, should we say? Um, but he he's also a very very good blocker. So yeah, he can he can do everything. If that answers your question. Yes, it does. Thank you. Okay, wide That's receivers. Guilty asking you this question. <laughs> You mentioned the top five quarterbacks before, um, the ones on the top of your list. Can, can yeah. you name five NFL teams who would really use those five quarterbacks properly? And maybe if there was a surprise one in there. All right, hang on, let me move back to my quarterback. Really quick ones. 
Let me move back to my quarterbacks tab. Um, so Caleb Williams, wherever you want, he's going to go. Like, he could go anywhere, and it would be a waste for certain teams, obviously. But he is the type of quarterback who could go anywhere and play play to a high standard. If it was an offensive-minded team, it would be better because he is, you know, they'd use him more. But, yeah, Caleb Williams could go anywhere. Drake May, I think, oh, God, who's got top five, top six picks at the moment that, based on record? Cause, Probably the Raiders. Chicago, um, they've got two, haven't they? Arizona, but I was Kyler, but... Well, I think I think Arizona have to keep Murray, don't they, because of the money hit. It surely don't they have to play him for at least one year or the lock cap hit is massive. Am I right in thinking that? Well, I think they might be I think they could potentially trade him. Um, but I think it wouldn't be easy to do, you know. Okay. And are Chicago gonna take a quarterback with one of their two picks? Is Justin Fields done in Chicago? I think yes, but I don't know. Okay, Drake May is a better quarterback than Justin Fields. I so, think if they get one of the top two, they'll take one of the two. That's my opinion. I don't think they're passing this year, but I don't know what everyone else thinks. I, 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 I honestly have no idea of Chicago. Like, just what they do confuses me. How about Denver? Stocks, you're in third at the moment. Oh, the most Denver thing would be Shadur Sanders is there at three and we draft him. I do not want Shadur Sanders at Denver. Um, if Drake May's there, yes, please, because he's got all the skills I would like as a Denver quarterback. If we can keep if we can keep Sutton or Judy and keep Marvin Mims, then oh that that yeah, I'd be very, very happy with that. Um Shadur Sanders excuse me, how much of it is his dad? How much of at Jacksonville State, you know, he's too good for Jacksonville State. But he's been caught out a couple of times this season at, at Colorado. The Stanford game was, I mean, leading 29 nothing at halftime to then lose in the third overtime is, and he threw a pick in the third overtime. You just, you can't do that. It doesn't matter who you are, you cannot do that. And with your dad as the head coach, he's surely telling him that. I don't know how much Dion is affecting Shadur's game. And as a prospect, I think he's good, but it does worry me how much of it is the whole Colorado effect or the Sanders effect, I should say. Um, JJ McCarthy, if you gave him to Bill Belichick, I think he would thrive in that system. If they got a good OC, Bill does the defensive side, let JJ cook. Uh, I, I think that he would fit really well there. Uh, do the Falcons have a first round pick? Uh, yeah, I think they do, don't they? But they probably won't be that high, will they? But I, you know, JJ McCarthy, I think he could be a second round pick. He would be great at uh, Atlanta because he's the type of quarterback who could focus in on Kyle Pitts, Drake London, those two guys. You fire balls at them, they're both elite ball catchers. Uh, JJ McCarthy would be fantastic. Michael Penix Jr. concerns me, like Will Levis did last year. 
the same vibe. He gives me the same vibes. <sighs> He's got a good arm, and he can make all the throws. He doesn't lack distance, but sometimes downfield, he almost is too hero ball. Like he's got the arm for it, but he tries too hard. And 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 as we've seen with CJ Stroud, uh, you're accurate, you win. And yeah, Michael Penix worries me. So I, I don't want to say, Rob, that he would fit somewhere well because I wouldn't draft him, if that makes sense. Um, and then Quinn Ewers at six. Quinn Ewers, in his first season, came within two points of beating Alabama on his own. He came back from three games injured to play Alabama and took that Texas team, who was not as good as Alabama, to within two points, which is massive. Um, I would really like Quinn Ewers at Denver. I think if we could get him second or third round, I don't know if we've got those picks, uh, if we could get him second or third round, even if he sat for a year behind whoever it was, like, I think he would be fire at Denver. And I think he's he's the type of personality who doesn't take no BS from anyone, Sean Payton or anyone. So if Sean Payton decides he wants to draft Quinn Ewers, you know that they are in together and that he's, he's drafting Quinn Ewers to come into that team and say, sort this mess out, mate, because you're going to be our quarterback and you don't care what people think. Like anybody who has a mullet, is a, he doesn't have it anymore. But when he came in, he had a mullet. Like, guy's a hero. Straight up hero. So, yeah, I think he'd fit Denver pretty well. I mean, if we could get him at the start of the second, if we've got a second, then, oh, yeah, I'm all in. I'd love that. I'd love that. Um, yeah. I, do, you want to, do you want to hear my couple of wide receivers quickly before we dive out, guys? Or have you had enough? Yeah, go on. All right, let me load up my tab. So, obviously, Marvin Harrison, he's okay. You need a wide receiver. He'll fill a job. Isn't going to flash. Probably not pro bowler. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, just go and watch his tape. Please. Just go. It's fun. I'm not telling you to watch it for studying. It's fun. Um, at two, I've got Amika. Egbuka, he's from Ohio State as well. They always produce wide receivers. We've seen that over the last couple of years. He, he's pretty good. He, he could go late first. He's good enough to go late first, whether or not people feel that they want to draft him there. Um, he's probably, he's got that T Higgins vibe early second, I mean, first pick of the second round, but he's got that about him that he could go early second as opposed to late first. Uh, at three, I've got Keon Coleman. He's he's a big boy, 6'4", 215, plays for Florida State. He's good, really fast for a big receiver as well, really, really fast. Four or five time, apparently, in training. Um, Malik Neighbors, LSU receivers. Uh, he couldn't really outshine Keyshawn Boutte when Boutte was bad. So it, it worries me. Uh, he only scored three touchdowns last year over a thousand yards, which for an LSU offense is low. So it shows to me that he's not potentially a red zone guy and you need to have that in the NFL. You need to, as a, 
as a potential first, second round pick. He, he's not dangerous enough for me. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. At five, I've got Xavier Worthy. He's plays for Texas. He's 6'1", so he's tall enough, but he's only 163 pounds. So he's very, very small. But he's better than Jalen Hyatt was at Texas last year. He's, he's, they call him smoke because you can't see him. He's almost impossible to get hands on. He's it's like warm butter. He's that smooth and he's fast. It's like if you let him get past you, he's gone and struggle to hold him at the line because he is so smooth. Like it's just, it's tantalizingly scary that he could be terrible in the NFL. Does that make sense? Like he's got that, he's got that Jalen Hyatt or whose other receivers, quick receivers we've seen the last couple of years that have been, that that haven't really, again, Rob, you're muted. And, and so Don't I can't. Us. Yeah, fair. I, that kind of guy. But I absolutely love Smoke. And I, I, he'll be the guy I draft in the second or the third round, hoping praying that he is the guy. Um, Xavier Leggett, South Carolina, is massive. 6'3", 227. Hmm. Runs a 4'4'6". Uh, the guy... <laughs> oh, excuse me. Yeah. Um, is ridiculous. He's really good. And then after that, they're all round three guys. Um, Ricky Pearsall for Florida, Bo Collins for Clemson, a couple of guys that don't really excite me. There's another Texas receiver, Adonai Mitchell. He's, again, they like small receivers at Texas. He's 190, 6'4", 190, so bigger, bigger than Spoke, but again, not 200. Uh, Xavier Weaver, Colorado at 13. He's just should do as number one guy. And again, is he benefiting from the Sanders effect? I don't know. But yeah, again, same with the running backs. This is round two to four. And I wouldn't be surprised to see any of these guys uh, go, you know, between them. One guy I would watch out for is a fellow called Jacob Cowing for Arizona. He He's a little bit weak. Like he's not good in press. But he has an uncanny ability to catch the ball when needed. He's got that playmaker ability. And I think that sometimes that's potentially overlooked by the fantasy community as a late round steal. Like, if he lands in a terrible place, don't bother. But I think Jacob Cowie could could be a steal late on in drafts. Uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much it at the moment for my wide receivers. Because, like I said, this class, it ain't great, guys. Nice to see you uh, open up. It's, I feel like we've we've missed this on the college show. We haven't really had that um, this amount of pat. Like we haven't seen this passion from like a college, the college show this year. So it's nice to have it all all come out and you have the chance to to bring it all out to us. Did did I did I talk too much? Was it a lot? No, I think it's great information. Yeah, it's like, you guys, a lot from that. You don't you don't you don't have to be kind. Honestly, I'm, I'm a big boy. I can take criticism. I obviously sound like a bag of bones, but hope, hopefully there was uh, there was some stuff in there for you guys to 
to chew on for the rest of the season, especially if your season is an absolute trash can now and you've got nothing to do but look forward to the draft. Because that is some, there are teams out there who have just given up right now, right? Yeah. <laughs> some of mine, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we've learned more than four college players in, in this time exactly. as well, so that's definitely going definitely gonna to help us out. 100%. And we know who to look out for now, don't we, Rob? We do indeed. Yeah, one guy. Uh, Marvin, Marvin. Marvin. I know, that's yeah. it. We're just fighting over the uh, the guys now, Starks. Well, there's there's still plenty of football between now and April, so yeah. don't, don't count those chickens right now. But, hey... Um, Anything else you would like to add an hour and 25 into this monstrous Friday night triple threat matchup that I have thoroughly enjoyed, guys? Me too. Uh, I, do, I do want to get my flex of the week in for Fast Action Friday. Obviously, we haven't done it today, but um, we had discussed it before. Um, I, want, I want my sandwich this year, Lewis and Pitsy, so I've got to get my pick in for this time, and it will count for next week. Uh, it is going to be Luke Grave at the Green Bay Packers. He's got a, a, what I feel is a very safe floor. And if Jordan Love wants to get the ball moving and wants to do something well, he needs to bring to that short game. Uh, I want him to put the ball to Luke Musgrave as much as he can in this game. So, yeah, Luke Musgrave is my flex of the week this week. That is quite quite a flex, Rob. That is, I don't hate that, but it is a very left-field left field play. Yeah, I like the tight ends, especially if it's tight end premium, you know. Um, I would go for like a pass catch running back but I like I like my tight ends yeah I mean Fair he's, he's been on the field a lot hasn't he you know he's playing basically all of the tight end snaps for the the Packers I think he will have a, a game at some point and this could be the one this could be the one that humiliation on the sidelines I think he, he's got can have the fire to turn it around uh, and add to the the plethora of tight receiver tight end uh, ones we're getting from the rookie class this year. Well, there you go, Rush Nation. Uh, Hammer, where can people who don't normally listen to the Dynasty show, because they should, but if they don't, where can they find you in the wonderful world of the internet? Well, they've got a couple of options. One is we've got, obviously, our X page at Five Yard Dynasty, so you can find us on there. Otherwise, if you would like to find me personally, I'm at Han Roland on X, and usually I will be doing the Dynasty show on a Wednesday evening, um, bringing you everything from the week before, usually uh, basically big news of the week, who we should be kind of looking to, grab off waders or look to trade for stock up so who's uh, kind of increasing that stock stock down who we should be trying to sell or maybe <clears throat> haven't got a choice and have to stick with for now and then also my favorite segment rookie watch but um it's been awesome uh, chatting to you both it's been really nice to speak to some people because it's uh, a quiet and lonely life sometimes uh, on your own but uh, yeah it's been awesome I've really enjoyed it and also hearing your thoughts on the rookies and obviously the prospects and and what went down in week seven so thank you both and uh, for having me on and for chatting with me oh well anything we should do this again this is a mashup I thoroughly enjoyed mm-hmm. Rob let the good people know where they can find you and your stuff my friend um well I'm primarily on fast action Friday now is my uh Kind of my only outlet um, where you can see me. Uh, that's normally every Friday um, with myself and Lewis and Pitsy. Uh, I am on uh, X at Five Yard Rob, but I, I mainly 
I'm curating the the five yard rush channel at the moment, uh, just trying keeping that ticking over. Um, but I'm also editing the uh, the the redraft guys things as well. Uh, Fantasy Focus has gone out today for for Nathan, so check that out. Uh, we had Jonathan start and sit go out yesterday as well, and Stacey's waiver wire at the start of the week. Um, really complimented Lewis's waiver wire stream uh, that came out on Tuesday. So um, plenty of stuff going on on the channel as well. Well, I would just personally like to thank you very much for your consistent hard work for Five Yard. It does mean an awful lot to me and Murph, so appreciate you both greatly. And we will do this again before the season is out because it's been fun. Maybe next time I, I won't sound like a, a zombie and I'll, I'll be able to input a little bit more. But Rush Nation, until, I guess, until next week. As always, don't forget, keep rushing. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 